So uh, be in prayer about that. Okay, now we can turn to our scripture as we continue our sermon series on God, our Father, as we're looking at the fatherhood of God. And we're going to be looking at the passage popularly known as the parable of the prodigal son. This is Luke 15, 11 through uh, 32. And Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. This is probably the most famous story in the Bible, most famous parable in the Bible. And when you think about it, why is it the most famous parable in the Bible? I think it's because it's all about relationships. It's sort of takes away and unmasks religion and gets to the core of what Christianity is all about. Relationships in the context of a family. In the story, it is very clear that God is the father and we are the children. And we intuitively, in our hearts, understand this. It's, it's written into our DNA, so to speak. And so I think that we uh, are attracted to this story. This parable is a powerful one because we are in it. We're actors in this story. There's the father, 
God and there's two children. One son who we might characterize as the rebel. He's the sinner. He's the one who said thanks but no thanks to God and he's taken off and done all the things you're not supposed to do. And then there's the other son. He's the good one, the moral one, the religious one. And from a religious perspective, they would seem to be as, uh, as polar opposites from one another. But from a relational perspective, they are quite similar. You see, both relationally are very far from the father. The rebel never understood his father's character, at least in the beginning, or he would have never left him. But the older son continues to live in the house of the father, but doesn't even know him, doesn't know him for who he truly is. The younger son, in the end, comes to know the father, ironically. But the older son, we don't really know how it turns out. How the father relates to these two sons shows how God wants to relate to us. And much like the story pushes, we only have to answer one question or two. Where are we and have we come home? Because the home that we long for is the one where the father is. What this parable is communicating to you and me is that it's time to come home and to live at peace in the house of our Father. Well, I want to cover three points as we dissect and look at this passage. The first is that the Father wants us to know his love. The Father wants us to know his love. Secondly, only the Father's love will do. Nothing else will satisfy. Only the Father's love will do. And finally, come home and meet the Father. So let's begin with my first point. The Father wants us to know his love. Starts out with verse 11, where Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. We see here that the father is wealthy. As we look through the passage, he is uh, a man of means. He has land, he has property, he has servants, and he has children. He has two sons, a younger and an older, and the younger comes to the father with this outrageous request. Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. To which the father replied, oh, oh son, of course I will, but that doesn't happen until I die. To which the younger son said, exactly. In other words, father, I wish you were dead. Because I don't want you anymore. I want what's coming to me. I want my property. I want your stuff, but I don't want you. You imagine the arrogance of this child to do that to his father in a culture of honor and shame. The brazenness of this younger son. Now why does the son ask this of the father? Because to the son, the father is the one who is the problem. What the son wants more than anything is independence. He wants to be free from the authority of the father. He wants to be free from his presence so he can go and live the life that he thinks is best for him. And so he asks this of the father. 
And amazingly, the father divided his property between them. Now keep in mind that the property and assets were tied up in uh, property and animals. They didn't have stocks, they had flocks. So this is an actual process that's happening. It's not a, a call to Smith Barney and lo and behold, here's your check. This is a process that's taking place over time, day after day, as the father is selling these assets and the son is standing by looking and waiting. Wonder what those interactions were like. It's kind of like God and us, right? This is a parable about a bigger story. And what this passage is saying is that what we've said to God is I want your stuff, but I don't want you. I want what's coming to me. Yes, I know it's you who gives me life. I know it's you that keeps the planets in orbit. I know you are the cause of every good thing. But God, I think I know how to live my life better than you do. So I really don't want you. I just want what's coming to me. Now what's amazing to me in this story is that the father actually acceded to the son's request. I mean, what would you do if your child came up to you and said this? And yet the father doesn't seem to put up much of a fuss, does he? He just starts doing it. Now why did the father do this? The only answer that I could come to is that what the father wants from us more than anything is our love. What this father wanted from his child more than anything was his love because he has the heart of a father. But he can't make him love him, can he? Just like God cannot make us love him. He certainly can make us servants having to do his will, but he hasn't done that. Instead, he's made us in his image. We must be free to choose who we love in order for it to truly be love. That means we must be free to love and we also must be free to hate. Why not just bag it? Why didn't the father just send the son out and say, you're done, you're cut off, you're disowned, which certainly should have happened in that culture? Because the father knows that to love him as the father is the reason for his existence. I'm speaking of God here, of course. That God the Father knows that the reason that we were made was to love him as our father. It's the most important thing. You can have everything else, but if you don't have that, you're denied the very reason for which God has made you. And so what the Father is doing in this story, by giving this lavish gift to the Son, is showing how much he loves him. I think the Father is actually sending a message ahead, embedding a message in his Son's heart, that when his Son goes far away, and when his Son has squandered everything, and discovered that all that he thought that would make him satisfied and happy is gone. He would remember the lavish love of his father. 
His father gave him the greatest gift, the dignity to choose. The son just couldn't hear it. Because the father's heart, the father would only be satisfied when his son was back in his house with him. If you are a parent, you're able to resonate with a lot of the things that I'm saying about the heart of a parent for their child. As most of you know, my wife, Lee Ellen, and I have lost a child. We have three others, but we've lost a child. And there are others in this congregation who have also lost children. And just about every day, I think of my oldest son, Mark. And if someone was to ask me the question, what would you give for one more day with your son? The answer would be, aside from my wife and my other children, I'd give everything. I think any parent would end up saying that as well. Because that is the heart of a father for a son, for a daughter. See, what's amazing about the God of the Bible, he's so different than the other gods in other religions. He's so different than the gods that we serve in our culture of power and prestige and beauty and fame. Because all of those gods have the same message. Don't cross me. Don't disobey me. Because if you do, that's the end. The love of those gods is predicated on our obedience. But God shows his grace in this story by giving the son in hopes that the son will see his love and will come back to him. You may be like the younger son. All of us are, if we're honest. As the Bible says, because all of us have walked away at some point or another. All of us have said, I don't want you to be my father. I just want your stuff. And how God responds in the story says everything about him. That what he wants is your love. But your love freely given. And there's great lengths to which God is willing to go to create that opportunity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish. But have everlasting life. Yes, we've all been the younger son. But maybe you act more like the older son. The reason he loves me is because I don't screw up. But I don't really live in love with my father. I live in fear. I don't dare cross him. Much like the older son, you can be close to the father and yet so far away that you wouldn't know his heart. No, the Father wants us to know his love, that we might love him. This brings me to my second point, that only the Father's love will do. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Notice he took off to a distant country. He wanted to get as far away from his father as possible, far away from anybody who knew him. 
and he begins to party. It says he squandered his property. The, the word in, in Greek uh, has a, a, a connotation of hollowness. He began to live in a way that was empty. There was, there was no meaning. There was no significance. There was only fleeting pleasure. And to be sure, for a while, he had lots of fun. But the problem was that he had to keep spending, right? He keeps spending. He has more fun. And eventually, it runs out. And the reason he keeps spending is because in the midst of all the fun, it's hollow. He can find no satisfaction in his soul. And the party runs out. And it says, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He began for the first time in a long time to know hunger. And now we're just talking physical hunger. He's, he's, he's out of money. And yet, as he looks around, looking for a friendly face, he finds no one. All of his friends were conditional. As long as he was the life of the party, they were there. But now that the money's gone, they're also gone. And so what does he do? He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Okay, this must have been tremendously humiliating for a Jewish boy to end up trying to make money feeding pigs. And yet he was paid so poorly that it says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. In the world, there are two types of people. They're takers and they're givers. The father was a giver. The people in that country were takers. No one gave him anything. There was no mercy. I'm sure at some point the son sat down and said, this is far different than the life of freedom and satisfaction that I was sure I was going to have when I got here. Now here come some of the most beautiful words in the scriptures. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. When he came to himself, it seems like there's a process, if you will, where he's not himself. He's, he's not in his right mind. He's not thinking clearly. But slowly the picture begins to crystallize as he thinks about the past and he thinks about where he is now. And he comes to this revelation. I'm homesick. I'm longing for home. Because home is far different than where I find myself. Home is a place of giving and not taking. It's a place of plenty and not want. It's a place of love and not indifference. No, as I look around, I'm not meant to be here. See, what he thought he wanted, this son, was independence. What he really wanted was his father, to be in the house under his father, where he would find unconditional love and acceptance. While this country was all conditional, in his home, he would find unconditional acceptance. See, that's what home is, isn't it? Hopefully, it's what home should be. It's the place where you can go, warts and all, 
failings and flaws and be received and loved for who you are, not what you do. And so the son said, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, against, and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Notice, as soon as he came to his senses, he came up with a plan. He never hesitated, it would appear, to think that maybe my father wouldn't take me back. Right? I mean, he would think, it's, no, 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 I can't. He's not going to take me, not after what I did. No, and in fact, it's the son who disqualifies himself from being a son of the father, right? He comes up with this, I'm not worthy to be called your son. He knew he was not worthy. He knew he had disqualified himself, but he knew that his father would take him back. See, his father had sent grace on ahead of him, right? For a very time as this. And he recognized that he needed forgiveness. He needed to be right with his father. It would be enough just to be in his home, under his authority, in his presence. As I uh, prayed earlier, uh, one of my sons, Will, has the flu. Will is a sophomore at JMU. And so uh, we have been monitoring his condition via phone and... Uh, it finally got to the point where we said, we, we need to go get him. Specifically, my wife, who said, yeah, I'm going to go get him, and you're going to take him back. And I said, yes, dear. <laughs> and so uh, very early, she got in a car. She drove four hours plus, picked him up, turned around, and drove four plus hours back. Why did she do such a thing? Well, it was because our son was hurting because he was sick, because he needed a place where people would be with him who would genuinely love him and watch over him and care for him. He needed his mom and dad. He needed unconditional love and acceptance when he was at the very bottom. Will was longing to come home, and we were longing to have him. So Lee Ellen did not have to fight to stuff him in the car in order to get him home. What is it that you're longing for? Is it more pleasure? More fun? More that all the world says it can offer you if you follow it? Sooner or later, it'll run out. I speak from experience. If you're looking for unconditional acceptance, you won't find it here as long as you have something to offer. And even as good as people are, we're flawed human beings, just like you are. We can't truly love in an unconditional way. Only the Father can do that. For only the Father's love will do. So the younger son did something very powerful. He came to his senses. This world will try to distract you. Stay a little bit longer. Put your iPods uh, in. iPods. What do you put your AirPods? Thank you. Okay, boomer. How embarrassing. Put your AirPods in. 
be distracted. But the grace of the Father was tugging on the Son's heart. And so he went. So I want you and me to remember our Father's graciousness. For he gave the most precious thing he had, his Son, Jesus Christ, that we would know that we would be welcome in the Father's house when we came to our senses and decided to come home. When we saw that we were that valuable, God is calling us to come home. So have you? Stop settling for less. It's time to stop feeding pigs to come to the house of our Father. Because the home we long for is the one where the Father is. So come home and live at peace in the house of your Father. And that's my final point. Come home and meet your Father. And he arose and came to his Father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. How could this be, aside from the fact that the father was looking? The son might have forgotten about the father, but the father never forgot about the son. It was the father's hope all along that one day he would wake up, and as he gazed out across the land, that one day he would see his son coming home to him. The son's trying to get the speech out, right? I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. The best robe would be one that would only be for family members. The ring would be a family ring. Servants didn't wear shoes. Only sons and daughters wore shoes. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Before the son can even get it out, the father issues a public proclamation. This, my son, was dead and is alive again. And they begin to celebrate. Now, how do you think this son is feeling right now? What a weight off his shoulders to be reconciled, to be loved, even at his worst. But there is one other son, isn't there? An older son who was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he's mad when he hears what has happened. The father actually goes out in the field to plead with him. And he says, all these years I've slaved for you. And yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. See, the older son is treating his dad like an employer, not a father. All that the father had, including his love, was already there and the son never asked for it. I don't know who to pity more, the younger son or the older one. There's another reason the older son was angry, by the way. It's because this stuff that's being given and that fattened calf, that's my stuff, right? 
belonged to him. It was the rest of the estate. And you're squandering it on this younger son. I think to myself, you know, the older son was just like the younger son. All he wanted in the end was the father's stuff. It's just that he was willing to wait out the clock for it, right? I think to myself, what would have happened if the father was away in town and the younger son met the older son at the door? You're not welcome here. Go back where you came from. Right? Get out. But you see, the story wants to tell us something else. That we have an older brother too. But his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is willing to share. Jesus is not unwilling to take us back. Indeed, Jesus went to find us. To bring us back. See, this parable is not exactly right. It's meant to prove one point. The father sent the son and said, come home, your dad's waiting. So the beauty of this story is that this home that we long for has a father and has an elder brother who both love us and lavish upon us an inheritance even though we've squandered ours. I need to finish. So I just finish with this question. Have you come home? Jesus has come to find you. In fact, that may be the very reason that you came to church today. Because His Spirit was moving in your heart. Saying all this is not enough. Come home, Jesus said. Your dad's waiting for you. The ring is there, the family robe and the sandals. It's time for the party to start. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed. It doesn't matter what you've done. What you're looking for, the home that we long for, is the one where the father is. So come home and live at peace in the house of your Father. That's what grace is all about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that when we forgot about you, you never forgot about us. That the cost that you were willing to spend, the life of your Son, Jesus Christ, to show us your grace, to bring us home, to lead us home, not by compulsion, but love, is the greatest gift that one could ever give. I pray that no one would leave this church without having decided, without having come to their senses, and said it's time to come home. For you're waiting for us, and you clothe us with sonship and daughtership. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.